0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Flushing is Burning. I'm Grace, and I'm here with Christian, who has a very important announcement to make. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, I think we've avoided getting too navel-gazy on this <laughs> podcast, with good reason. I don't think anyone like very much cares about our personal lives. Uh, but for the purposes of the continuation of this podcast, I think it is important that I make this announcement. And that's that I have taken a job with the Los Angeles Dodgers and as a result of that job that I've taken with the Los Angeles Dodgers, I must cease my inclusion on this podcast in any form, whether it's in production or in hosting, Uh, it's something that I need to step away from as I concentrate on this new step in my career.
0: I know I speak for myself and probably everyone listening to the show. I know everyone at Amazing Avenue has has made this clear, but I'm so happy for you that you got this job, and I hope you know that this is this lasts a long time, leads to greater and better things. You know this this show was fun, and I, I do want to say we'll continue to be fun because I'm still going to be here, and the show is going to maybe morph over the next few weeks or months, but it's still going to happen. But it was so fun doing this with you
1: yeah yeah no this was one of the highlights of my week for sure especially during uh those big unemployment times but as i was telling you beforehand i had zero jobs as of like four weeks ago and now i have three so this is uh this is definitely a change that i need to make simply because like i i haven't had the time to really focus <laughs> on the mets and now i'm contractually obligated to not talk about any of the other 29 major league teams
0: Yeah, it's, it's, this is great for you, and I'm, I'm so excited, um, and even if, you know, even if you didn't have the contractual obligation to not talk about the Mets. With three jobs, I would assume that this would take the back burner anyway.
1: I understand it's It's not like, you know, three full-time jobs, but it's, you know, three things I have to like focus my attention on. And one of those is like building tacos for a local restaurant. And it's like, (laughs) uh, okay, this is, these are different environments for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time. you of course and it's going to be an interesting time for this show um i just want to say to everyone listening like i said um this is going to continue this isn't ending um i'm going to be taking the reins at least for the near future um i'm going to sort of make a judgment call as time goes on and, and i would love to hear from everyone listening whether you think things are working, wh- this might have to take on an even more interactive thing. I might put out little things on Instagram and, and Twitter. We might shift to, sl- especially in the off-season, slightly more movie focus, anything like that. I-, I don't know yet, and I think that this is going to be something fun for us to build as a you know, show, me and the listeners.
1: I think you need to Chris Russo this, just become the angry solo person <laughs> on microphone yelling about baseball. I think that's the ultimate path this show takes.
0: I, I don't know that my vocal cords could take that. I yell a little too much at work and I'm I'm fried for the next two days. I don't think my voice can actually take yelling that much, like a Chris Russo much, I'll say.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it is nice to have that like NPR soft spoken podcast style. It definitely <laughs> saves on the vocal cords.
0: Yeah. I, I'll I'll thread the needle there. I'll get animated, but I'm not gonna, you know, pop my vocal my uh my veins in my neck or anything like that.
1: Speaking of old sports media people, I <laughs> Uh, I I cannot talk about the Mets on this, my last episode, but uh, I would like to talk about a tweet that I saw. At this point, I think it was uh, tweeted, published, exceded, whatever, a couple of weeks ago by uh, Jeff Perlman, who is a very famous sports writer. He's authored a lot of your favorite nonfiction sports books, including (laughs) The Bad Guys 1, the ultimate history of the 1986 Mets. Um, He released a tweet In response to a tweet that was composed by, I guess, a sideline reporter of a cable broadcasting company that uh, supports the Colorado Buffaloes football team, where he admonished this sideline reporter for showing passion and fandom and sincere enthusiasm for the team that she was covering. And it created a lot of discussion online. I wouldn't necessarily say that people dunked on Jeff Perlman. It seemed to be um, a pretty reasonable uh, engagement that he had cultivated. Um, Basically the discussion revolved around this very old school idea that when you cover a team for a local, a national media outlet, whatever, you cease to become a fan of that team and by extension, a fan of that sport because that is required of you to create an unbiased perspective and to report from a truth-telling standpoint. And then there was this discussion from people that brought in this perspective of how presenting sports through media has evolved over the last 10 years where it has become more normalized for the people covering the sports. I used covering very loosely because sometimes this is more entertainment than information, um, to show sincere emotional attachment to the team that they're covering. And this conversation really hit me pretty hard as it happens, because at this time I was in the process of interviewing for this Dodgers position and it got me thinking uh that there there will come a time in like any person's life if they're covering a team or entering sports media where they will likely have to stop becoming a fan of at least the team that they supported growing up and to either stop being a fan entirely or start becoming a fan of the team that they are working for professionally. And I, I don't know, it, it got me thinking a lot about like, what, what is right? What is wrong? What is fashionable? What, what is just the the mark of a good professional nowadays? And it, it has me curious about like what, what your perspective is like, do do you as someone who consumes sports care if the people that are covering the sports that you watch do it from an unbiased perspective uh, do you care if they have emotional attachments or root openly for the team that they cover from from your perspective as a fan what's uh, what's the thing that you're searching for
0: so that's an I think that's an interesting multifaceted thing um to talk about. So right now the, the WNBA playoffs have just begun. I'm actually – today's Friday, so I'm going to be leaving my house in about five hours to go see the Liberty play. Um, but I was watching the first two playoff games the other day, and, and, you know, they're on ESPN, and they have their panel there talking about, um, you know, the games and the different storylines and, and just season storylines and stuff like that. And they, they had – you know, some of their panelists can – tend to openly root for players or teams and when you're i think it's i think you're going to have a different perspective on it based on a if it's local or national i don't really care if the liberty broadcasters are pro or anti or pro liberty because that's i'm watching liberty broadcast and the few occasions i have to listen to say if they're playing the sun i have to watch the sun broadcast because that's the one i can find streaming online very legally um you know, it, it does. It's annoying to listen to someone root against your team. I think when you go into the national realm, that's when it starts getting a little bit stickier. Um, in terms of, uh, it, it's one thing to root for a team. It's another, f- like, a- openly root for your team as a as a um, commentator. It's another to blatantly disregard the other team's pros as a national commentator I think um or even just a regular commentator I think that's what's great about listening to Gary Keith and Ron is they never they never sit there and tell you the other team is bad just because they're the other team they will tell they will openly admit if the other team is doing great and (laughs) beating the crap out of the Mets like they're they're at least honest about it while they can still sit there and you know Gary Cohen can get super animated and it's so fun whenever the Mets win and Gary Cohen throws the pen down and everything like that um you know there's a i think there's a fine line to walk there where you can openly root for one team without putting down the other team or the other players for no reason really other than just you're not a fan of their team you're a fan of the other team
1: i think the discussion evolves when we talk about baseball broadcasts when you mention that there is a difference between the etiquette that one must present On a national level versus the comfort that you can present on a local level i don't really know if there's such a thing as a national baseball broadcast or a national baseball voice anymore because yes there are broadcasts on apple tv espn peacock that reach a national audience but we don't really know who the national voices are we don't have this collective idea of the national baseball media for most baseball fans your media that you get provincially is the media that you consume most of the time and as such i think there are some of these of these channels stations media outlets whatever that have taken on the responsibility that of a national media for example SNY is broadcast as professional and progressive as it is from an engineering standpoint from a presentation standpoint is very buttoned up and conservative you'll never hear gary keith and ron refer to the mets using the pronoun we you will as you say never hear them put down another team for the sake of them wearing different colors you'll never hear them bring up Mets players for the sake of them wearing blue and orange. They are as conservative and buttoned up and polished a broadcast as there is, but they are amongst a shrinkingly few that are that way. I'll I'll give you an example. Sportsnet LA, the uh, broadcaster of the Dodgers does not have that same sort of like buttoned up classic conservativeness when it comes to their own broadcasts. They're uh, broadcasters will frequently refer to the Dodgers in we terms. They they will sometimes uh, bring up Dodgers for the sake of them wearing blue and white. And I don't think that's necessarily a pro- a problem, especially since their audience is an audience of Dodgers fans who probably feel the same way and feel a certain way when their media members do that. And so, like, I I think it makes sense to 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 have a bit of fandom in the booth, in the local broadcast. Um, And even when it bleeds into the quote unquote national broadcast, I don't necessarily think that it's such a faux pas anymore that it should automatically uh, discount whatever the national broadcast is doing. I think that we're still trying to figure out what's the correct balance in this situation, but it, there are definitely a lot more broadcasts that lean more towards the, the Philadelphia Phillies total fandom, for example, than like the Mets present it down the middle, no bias whatsoever.
0: I think also it's, I think there's a difference between the broadcasts and the television presentations and even the, you know, sports centers of the world and everything like that, your your panels pre and post games and stuff like that, than there is to what Jeff Perlman has done for the last 20 years. And and again you you mentioned it. I love Jeff Proman. I'm reading another one of his books right now. I think he's a great writer. When you turn into a journalist in that sense, you know, he writes his books, he you can't tell what team he roots for when you read his Lakers book or his Mets book or anything like that. It, I think it's different when you transition from just pure, this is the broadcast of the game. And these are the sideline reporters of the game. And this is the post game press conference and everything like that to an actual, you know, tried and true you know, long form journalist like he has become. So I think maybe he's also coming at it from a different perspective.
1: He is, he absolutely is. And, uh, I think a lot of it is age. I think a lot of it is, he mentioned that, um, when he took a job at Sports Illustrated in whatever decade it was, I, I don't wanna age him or <laughs> or make any assumptions about how old he is, but before Sports Illustrated, he was a Mets fan and then he takes the job at Sports Illustrated and now he is no longer a Mets fan and he says it was simple. I, I don't think that it's that simple for a lot of people, especially uh, in today's age where even in the media, people are being rewarded for being outwardly passionate about their own teams i'll give an example that i think a lot of people would discredit but i i urge people not to um stephen a smith is someone who was for a long time and i think can still be the case a very credible and accomplished basketball reporter who learned that screaming about the New York Knicks and the Dallas Cowboys on TV was a very lucrative proposition for him. And so he does that. I don't think that makes him any less credible as a journalist, but I also think that I have the ability to compartmentalize Stephen A. Smith, the journalist versus Stephen A. Smith, the entertainer. But I wonder how much He doesn't want that compartmentalized. I wonder how much he wants those two things to bleed into his own persona. And I wonder how many people are trying to emulate that because they realize how successful a formula it's been for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it also is what you're looking to get out of it. If I'm going to the Mets broadcast, I know what I'm going to get out of it. I'm going there to watch the Mets. I'm not going there to listen to, you know, astute observations about everything else, which quite frankly you, you will get quite often from, from the Mets broadcast, some some very fun astute observations. Um, But if if I'm going to, say, watch a you know, Dodgers, um, not to bring up the Dodgers, but Dodgers Phillies game. If I'm going to watch that on MLB TV, I personally like the Dodgers more than the Phillies. So I will choose the Dodgers broadcast. Cause I'd rather listen to the side of the team that I'm rooting for than the side of the team that I'm not. And, and like you said, I don't know that there is a distinct national voice for baseball. If we're going to focus this on baseball. Um, but there are national voices and you can you can tell which ones are are maybe a little more biased one way or another although i do think that a lot of the baseball broadcasts are um nationally at least pretty good about tempering that a little bit um it, or at least spreading the wealth on, on who gets what and then you know the fox broadcast with john smoltz who just loves to be a crank about everything so you know that, that's like an equal opportunity hater and john smoltz um it, it's it's what you're looking to get out of it. You know, I, I, if if I want to read something where I'm going to go, okay, I don't want any bias. I just want the information. It, it does get a little bit more difficult, but also that's up to you as the consumer to then parse through. If I'm going to go to ESPN and read an article, um, if I sense the fact that there's some sort of bias or whatever, you can parse through that. and You can figure out where maybe the more middle ground truth might be, not that bias can't be true, just that you have to then read it through a more critical lens. And I think that that's also something that's that's maybe missing from our media consumption now is the ability to read critically or listen critically.
1: It's a new media landscape for sure. <laughs> and and I, I'm glad that Uh, we're able to have discussions like this, but this discussion went a little bit long and it was like one more thing I want to talk about, but I think we need to take a break. So, uh, let's take a break right now. We'll come back for one more act.
0: Okay. And we're back. So what was the, uh, what's the last thing you'd like to touch on before we say farewell? Yeah, I wanted to get a little bit more navel
1: gazy about this (laughs) because something that I've been thinking about, not just in the last couple of weeks, but in the last few years is why I became a Mets fan in the first place. And I was, I've I've always been able to explain it very succinctly to people. I started watching baseball in 1998, 1999. My dad was a Mets fan. The Mets were good. The Dodgers were not. And it allowed me, uh, or I guess it allowed him to present this as the team that I should be supporting despite me being born and raised and living my entire life in Los Angeles. Um, I it's something that I haven't given too much thought about until the last few years. Really, it was pandemic-inspired. I think in 2020, when baseball shut off, and I sort of realized that like baseball wasn't the most important thing in my life. And it was okay for baseball to shut down for however long it did. My life was still fulfilled in ways, could still go on. There were more important things. Um, But it also got me thinking about the value of supporting a team from a city to which i have no municipal connections and the connections i have to new york are very tenuous like my family is from new york at least my dad's side of the family is from new york but i've never lived in new york i've visited there quite often and i like it but it's not home to me home to me has always been los angeles and i've i've always had this like very weird experience when i've visited city field city Field is a place i've been to probably like 10 times to watch Mets games. And it's a lovely place. And I love being surrounded by people who support the same team that I support. But I always have this very strange feeling when I walk around Citi Field of like, oh, these people that are wearing the same color jersey as I am, they're not really my people. Like they grew up in a completely different city and they speak differently and they look different and they eat different food. And it's not something that i'm opposed to obviously like you know new york's a wonderful city with wonderful people but i've always felt a lot more at home at dodger Stadium simply because those people are angelinos like myself and they look like me and they talk like me and they eat the same food and they know all the neighborhoods and so i've always wondered to myself like would it be valuable to just simply stop just just don't be a mets fan anymore start being a dodgers fan because it it makes the most sense for me as someone who's much more connected to Los Angeles than, than New York. And while I've had this thought for years, I've never really executed on that because it never felt right. Like if I turn on a baseball game and the Mets are playing emotionally, I'm just so much more invested in what the Mets are doing. And when they do a good thing, I feel happy. When they do a bad thing, I feel sad. And I never felt any sort of emotional, feeling anyway to what the dodgers were doing if they did something good or if they did something bad it didn't really matter to me unless it was against the mets or a rival team um but this job that i've taken now without getting too much in the weeds with uh, what my role is is sort of a like half reporting half pr sort of role and It doesn't necessarily require me to become a Dodgers fan, but it does require me to be an expert on the Dodgers. And the only way to do that coming from a non-expert place on the Dodgers is to become emotionally invested and attached in this team. In other words, to become a fan. And I I don't know whether I can say that, like, I am definitively a Dodgers fan and no longer a Mets fan, or if there's a mix of the two, but what I can say is that to become a fan of a team to the level that is required of me, A, to, like, write for Amazing Avenue and podcast for Flushing is Burning, or to be a good employee for the Dodgers, requires me to basically stop watching stop consuming content of any other team whatsoever, baseball or otherwise. And so I know this is something that you don't necessarily have to deal with from a baseball standpoint because you support the team that you have a municipal connection to, but I also know that you support a basketball team that has no connection to New York. So I wonder if you've ever had similar feelings of disjointedness between the team that you support and the fan base that supports that team.
0: Definitely. Because, you know, for me, where I am, I'm surrounded by, and I mean, this is true for you too, and in LA with the Mets, but where I am, I am surrounded by Knicks fans, you know, maybe a few Nets fans, but most of my friends are Knicks fans, which also presents an interesting thing where the the Knicks and Bulls have historically been rivals, so it's even more stark of a difference. Um, you know, I I also think that there's there's a similarity, or or not not a similarity, but something related to this where yeah, I root for a team that I have a municipality for, but I also live somewhere where you know, half people, half the people are Mets fans, half the people are Yankee fans. So it, it would have been really easy for me in all, every single pretty much year I rooted for the Mets that was a lean year, which is like 90% of my life, to just become a Yankee fan. The Yankees are almost always consistently good. You know, this season aside, I, I don't know that there's been a—they they haven't missed the playoffs in forever. You know, it would be very easy to just be a Yankee fan. But I think that you're always going to have an emotional connection to the team that you— that you first really started loving the sport for, you know, and I for, you know, I grew up a Met fan like you. My dad was a Met fan. My mom was a Met fan. All my grandparents are Met fans. They were all Dodgers fans before that. um, And then the Dodgers moved away and, and the Mets filled that void. It, it's... I think that you can, while you can switch fandoms, and I think it's interesting for you that you don't just have to switch fandoms. You're kind of doing it right at the tail end of the season. Like you're in the midst of the season and you're just switching, you know, you have to sort of switch for, for this position. Um, it, You can be a fan of other teams and, and, you know, get to the point where you're just as big of a fan as you were of the Mets at that point. But I think that there will always be, at least speaking for myself, there's always going to be an emotional connection to the Mets in a way that I don't know that even if I woke up one day or I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, as you were mentioning, I will always feel an emotional connection to those red and black jerseys. And it, you know, I think that that goes beyond anything else is sort of that, that feeling of like listening to my dad, tell me all about how like Michael Jordan was a superhero, you know, like that, that, Emotional connection in that familial sense is really, a, a, I think, a lot of our fandom. It's it's not just us choosing this way. It's how we connect with the people around us and how we how how we relate to our to our family and our friends. I,
1: I think that last part is really critical because for the longest time, there really was no one that I could relate to or connect to as a Mets fan, because it was my dad who brought me to this point. um, And I could always talk to him about the Mets and he still cares about the Mets, but they aren't his number one team. He watches a handful of games per year and I easily watch over a hundred. And so like, I, I would go years without speaking to any other Mets fans. And when talking about baseball, I had to know enough about the Dodgers and the angels, because those are the teams in the area and that's who I could talk to in my city about baseball um but i i don't know it it just it never felt right to support a team other than the mets because of that emotional connection by the way like i have no problem with anyone rooting for any team regardless of their situation i have no problem with people changing teams it just never felt like the right thing to do from my perspective and now that it's being asked of me professionally it is leading to these questions of like, what what was the point of of being a Mets fan? If I didn't live in New York in the first place, especially like the Mets, like it'd be one thing <laughs> if I were a Yankees fan to see success in history, but like the Mets of all teams, it, it, it was really fun in 06 and 2015 when they beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. But other than that, like it hasn't, hasn't really brought me like that much joy. Um, it's, it, it's, it's just, It's such a a strange thing that I'm wrestling with. I think I'm also just kind of growing up and figuring out that, like, it isn't that important to attach yourself to laundry because, like, that 99 team that I first fell in love with, who's still involved with the Mets from that 99 team? Like, Jay Horowitz? Like, I I, I don't think there's anyone in the front office or in the coaching staff or... Uh, anyone from that 99 team that can you can still call a part of the Mets organization in 2023 it's that whole ship a thesis thing the the team that I loved in 99 looks completely different than the team that I love today um but it it I think you're right I think that emotional connection is always going to be there and there have been years that I've taken off and like not watched the Mets at all and that might have to happen next year as well or forever long this takes but um I do think you're right, that emotional connection is always going to be there, even if I have to watch far fewer games than I did this year.
0: Yeah. It's it I stuff like this makes me think of when I was in when I went to, to, to college, this had to be around 2018, 2019. I had this classmate and he was a big Yankee fan and I was a big Met fan. So we would talk a lot and he was he was like the kind of Yankee fan that that shit talks the Mets all the time. Um, and he was. We were in class one day, and it, it was ended. And he goes. He looks at me. And he goes, "Why are you a Mets fan?" And I looked at him and I was like, "What kind of question is that?" And he was like, "No, just why are you a Mets fan?" And I was like, "You know." And he was trying to sort of get me in that way. I, I I liked the guy. He was great, but like it was like one of those like stupid. What do you, What do you mean? Why do I like the Mets? And he I was like, well, "Why do you like the Yankees?" He was like, "Well, because they win all the time." And I was like, "That's genuinely." not important to me like is it great if they win absolutely I I love when the Mets win but at the same time I look at those jerseys and I see my grandfather that's what's important to me
1: yeah yeah I I I see that I feel that that that's that emotional resonance that makes fandom worthwhile even in the lean years and that's of a lot of lean years like this is this is the thing that like keeps us going. I I completely get that. Um, and I would also understand anyone for like finding good reasons not to. Like I know um, a lot of people who like simply stop being Cleveland Browns fans after they signed Deshaun Watson. And I, I think that's a moral choice that is very understandable to make in the moment. I also understand people who would continue to be cleveland browns fans after that because like yeah that municipal connection the emotional connection that they have they see their parents they see their family in those colors like i i would never tell anyone to stop being a fan of a team despite the team maybe doing shitty things because it is just such an important fabric of our dna and that it it may be not understandable to other people but like it's it's there and I it defies explanation in some cases, but it's it it's understandable for those that understand.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's laundry, but it's our laundry.
1: Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. I think that's a decent spot to, to end <laughs> this. I don't I don't I don't want my voice to end this because I'm not gonna be uh on this for very much longer. So, Grace, do you have anything to plug? Do you have any sort of announcement or do you have any sort of like look ahead to the future of what this is going to look like
0: yes yeah, so um like i said i'm gonna you know this episode's going out a little later than our usual episode you know explainable given everything that's happened um look for it to probably get back to the same schedule next week um it's just gonna be me next week and it we might there might be some some bumps in the next couple of weeks while i figure this out and see what's going on with this and and i would love to hear from everyone as this is going on so you know you know where to find us twitter or x or whatever um fib pod at fib pod uh instagram flushing is burning pod our email flushing is burning at gmail.com um yeah so it, it's it's gonna be different and um who knows what it's gonna look like in the, the further future, but for the near future, it will just be me and, and we'll see where it goes. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe it'll change a little bit. I, you know, to, to, to suit the new one person format, but as of right now, we'll, we'll take it as it goes. It's going to be a work in progress.
1: I think it'll be great. Maybe even improved by my absence. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I
0: wouldn't say that.
1: I, I look forward to what, what this turns into, and I'll definitely be listening next week.
0: All right. See you next week, everyone.